Alright, we are live back on the Digital Careers podcast and uh, we're here with Rachel Go. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, if you're a Perth artist aimed in the mainstream, this episode's for you. Meet Rachel Go, founder of Musical, her own music distribution company and the force behind 6KMC, a music management company, both started in Perth and now active in Sydney. Rachel entered the local music scene through DJ. Eventually, she became the go-to DJ for live hip-hop gigs. Through her ventures, she collaborated with talents like Wesley Black, Capes, Hoodsy, Your Boy Mars, and Harry Hilfiger. Formerly entrenched in Perth's music scene and a radio host to RTRFL, Rachel was now making waves in Sydney. In this episode, Rachel shares insights on breaking into the 2024 music scene, lettering with Sony or Morning Music, her weave, her move to Sydney, Thoughts on the future of music and distribution. We'll also touch on AI and music with Rachel mentioning these tools like ChatGPT. Uh, join us for a chat with Rachel Good, exploring what it takes to make the cutting edge of the Australian or international music evolution. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you've moved to Sydney now. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess what made you make that? Because you, you started uh, Musable and 6KMC here. Yes, correct. So I started out um, in Perth. I've been in the industry for like, well, like six, seven years. Um, I made the move purely on the basis on the record label situation. So the three majors, Sony, Warner and Universal, were all located in Sydney. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess one of an ultimate goal of an artist is to sign a record deal to a major label. And we kind of went over there. You know, we had some things bubbling and just needed to be on the ground there to have the conversations more back and forth. The year before we moved, so myself, Roshan and Harry um, moved. We moved at different times. But um, before that, we were back and forth individually and together and, you know, different groups of us. I think I did like, we did like four or five or six trips or something um, to Sydney from here. So it made sense for us at the time just to make the move. And I, yeah, have stayed there Um Partly because I'm working at the moment, but also I had a few more projects to finish off, a few more tours. With, um, you got a Funzi Kutsi's tour coming up, so I want to be there across Melbourne and Sydney and a few other projects to finish off before, you know, I come back or go somewhere and donate the future, whatever the future may hold. Um, but like Perth is my home, my home base, I guess you can say. Um, but Sydney's where I come. Cool. And, um, can you talk us through how you, how and why you started 6KMC and what is it? Yeah, shock. So 6KMC was founded by, so Roshan, Man, Zahin Khan, then the two boys that I run musical with um, as well. Um, so they founded it, um, damn, I can't even tell you the year they founded it, but I started a few years after, I joined them a few years after. So it was a creative media platform at the time, they were just doing creative media content. I joined and we started um, Up Next, which was a live performance series where we did two seasons. The first season was um, on a rooftop in Northbridge. Um, yeah, just like artists performed either freestyle or was a track that was out there and uh, so they, you know, we did all production in-house, I DJ'd it, I recorded them, and then, yeah, Pius did the engineering and then Roshan Shogun filmed it, and Zahin kind of, you know, corrected and put it all together. Uh, so we did that, we did uh, Word on the Street, which we went to festivals and interviewed people, and then we did YouTube premieres on our YouTube, and then write-ups, we did interviews, we did, yeah, just the whole creative media, um, creative media thing, and then we kind of got to a point where we all decided that we didn't, it wasn't really what we wanted to do um, with management and kind of developing artists was something that, you know, was what we loved doing. So, yeah, we made the decision to focus fully on artist management and development and we signed Your Boy Miles was the first artist and then where's it back a year later and then Harry and then, uh, yeah, Kate, six months ago. Um, so, yeah. can you explain more about Up Next? Was that to market? Six KMC was it like what was the idea behind up next? It's just something to do for the scene. Like Six KMC um, is all about just building the WA Perth music scene up. Um, yeah, well, it was just a concept we came up with, and something we thought was cool for the scene. Um, no one was doing it at the time. People have like done it since, but no one has really, I think, done it in a way like a lot of people dubbed the vocals and just put like the full master track over the top whereas it was full live performance videos we did yeah it wasn't it wasn't just the master track put over the top it was the recorded vocals at the time um yeah um 
the reason why, just something for the city, something for the city, and it did well. Um, definitely want to try to do a season three, but it just, it takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah. As you know. But, um, yeah, look out for season three. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was fun. It was good getting to know everybody. Um, any artists in particular that you thought kind of smashed the up next? Um, yes. I mean, where's the obviously? I can't either. Um, damn, who else did we have? Drea. Oh my gosh, she killed it. She so she was in the warehouse in West Perth. I forget the name, but Friday Studio. That's what the second oh, yeah. was. And I swear, like her vocals were gonna rattle the windows. Like, no, it was her vocals were so good. She's probably she did it. I can't even remember. Like. We did so many. We did Marley when he was, he was like 15, 16. That was awesome. Um, I actually wasn't on the ground for that one, but um, his was sick. Fellas uh, too. Yeah, that was the standouts, honestly. Like, obviously, Mars was sick, um, but that's come to a bias. Was it you just kind of creating content around hip hop and that scene? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we posted it on our YouTube and then Instagram. Yeah, it was cool. It was sick. Fun. Love doing it. it was a yeah. Thing. I feel like if you did it again and you utilized like stuff like TikTok. Like, I don't think TikTok was TikTok about rather like, Well, we like, weren't using it. It was just Instagram. Even reels weren't, you know, it was just posts. So it was like, definitely there's a lot more short form avenues these days. Yeah. I feel like if you did it again and put it on TikTok, it would like do super well. Yeah. I mean, you definitely should. Because, yeah, there's, there's a lot of. Um, demand to see that type of content first like a lot of people want to see it but um again it's just a matter of like you know i'm getting you know i don't know if you you guys did it with any budget at all you know like it's just passion probably it's no budget i mean it was yeah so the money spent was just on we hired speakers and uh took a new venue fridays um the rooftop was one of the boys uh ex in the apartment so by a yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, yeah, the rest of that the decks were my friends, I've borrowed them. Um, yeah, uh, recording stuff was all my, uh, yeah, I guess the microphones we were paid for, yeah, um, but yeah, it was definitely a passion project. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would definitely be able to get sponsorship now, like you know, you've got like Jamie Sports and stuff now that really sponsoring oh, yeah. hip hop artists. Um, oh, cool. Very heavily on the East Coast, they do, and even like Culture Kings, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth a short, but um, it's comes down to time. Yeah, do you think uh, if you sort of did another one of those here, you could, you know, because you've been to Sydney now, you kind of learned a bit more about the industry and how, mm. how it works. Do you think you could kind of like make those connections here, maybe get sponsorships mm. for something like yeah, that? Yeah, definitely leverage stuff. I mean, I've tried to with Musical, um, we've got some stuff, but um, yeah, for sure. It's just not a top priority right now. I've got yeah. so much going on. Yeah. I just find when you try and make that sort of stuff in Perth and you try and contact mm. brands, people, it's just like the amount of emails you have to put out and then the mm. one, like you just get so many yeah. people who just don't reply yeah. and they're just like, don't really care. Yeah. I mean, even targeting local um, local brands is is like a way in. So Capes, um, Capes got on the Mushroom program and he's got some promo stuff going up. So I just, you know, the dudes like Street X, the Street X boys, um, the Oli guys, Oli clothing, um, they've all been really supportive that's what's going in and giving him clothing. Um, yeah. And even G Doc sent him some stuff there from, from Sydney. They're doing massive things. Um, yeah. Oh shit. Now, and then he made Musical after 6K. Yeah. six so. way after. So we launched Musical Man, where are we? We're in 2012. Actually, she- we lost Reasonable Lake. Are you running out of spirit? Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. So Musical's a distribution company. Um, every artist that wants to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other thing, DSP, so DSP is a digital streaming platform. You have to use a distributor to put your music out there into digital stores. So why is that? It's just the way they operate. Um, yeah, there's just no direct upload to Spotify. It's just It's just there business plan I guess um, okay. there was talks about uh, creating some sort of way for artists to upload direct but um, I think working in distro and distribution 
they Spotify wouldn't need these companies to filter the music that comes through because a lot of just like oh okay that's why I I would like uh, whether or not that's why like but it's definitely a reason why because we our back end um, filter a lot of like uh, either music that's not cleared with samples or people that have just ripped samples and stuff like that Um, people that don't have the correct licensing for beats um, it comes up on our system um uh, even just like they're, com- they're really strict on talk rates and instrumentals and just noises like pure just rain noises since there's all these tight restrictions on that coming out now and even going forward I don't know if you've seen but Spotify um, introduced if you're not hitting like a thousand streams you don't get paid for the song yeah. um, and they're really tightening their restrictions on um, artificial streaming so artificial streaming is when the song or the stream has been deemed as it's being paid for so there's certain playlists that people pay for on Spotify. Yep. Independent playlists, the editorial playlist was editorial playlists that don't like curators. Um, so there's certain independent playlists that have a lot of followers and likes and things like that. So people pay them to be on them to boost their streams. Yep. But a lot of them are flagged by Spotify. So Why is that? Spotify doesn't like money going to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, potentially. I guess, I guess they don't want people to pay for playlisting. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I guess from a distribution standpoint, don't do it because you get you get flagged in the system. Because at the end of the day, you're paying a certain amount of money for for these streams, but Spotify have deemed artificial, so you don't, you don't get paid for those streams. Spotify keeps that money. So there's that you're paying to get more streams to hopefully bring more money in, but you're not actually getting that money. You know, I'm getting more of an idea about music streaming, I guess. Man, so much goes into, like, whoever's at the top is actually deciding what's getting played, you know what I mean? It, mm. It's not even down to, like, the quality of the song, because, um, well, firstly, you need, a, you need it to be distributed, mm. and then, um, what, what does it filter through? Is it, like, a software, or is it... Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's software. Okay. And then you have to... Pay for that software or... Yeah, so with distributors, so we run by either a payment per release or an annual subscription. So each distributor has a different payment. That's usually what it is per release like, or, or an annual subscription or some distributors that are like borderline that have labels kind of do different tier um, things. So like you get different... Oh, I guess. So you, you're paying for the software for the um, that filters stuff and... So, you can use to yeah. put songs on Spotify. Yeah, as an artist, you're paying for you're paying for your song to be distributed in digital stores. That's okay. ultimately what a distributor oh, is. Um, yeah. That's what it is. People take extra services like artists, and like today are all about like playlisting, landing all these editorial playlists. So mm. that's what everyone's looking for. Whether you can get them on a playlist like New Music Friday, The Drip, Local Hype, A One, whatever. Like that's what they're looking for. Um, oh, actually, I guess. Um... So that's, yeah. I guess if someone has a playlist and they have the song on and they're not getting paid, it's okay. But certainly if Spotify finds out they're getting paid, then they're like... It's data flag, right? Um, some, I guess any pay for play, they just don't like... Like, you shouldn't be getting for play. And like, like they're kind of like, you're, you're paying a third party to boost streams that just not... Maybe, maybe that's fair enough. I was just thinking, like, you've already got all these things on top of you, and then, like, maybe you're an artist. Yeah, but I was just trying to get your song out there. Mm. And then you put, like, yeah, you think, you think, you like, thinking it, you're like, surely it's no harm to anyone but me. But, um, yeah, you can get your songs taken down and banned um, from uploading, and you have to kind of fight it. Um, I just saw a distributed someone from. Oh, I always forget the country, but some European country, and then I'm pretty sure they're like a, they're like AI bot or something because they, they can just be just so sus. And yeah, they got flagged, and um, they had to like prove themselves, I guess, but because they're like AI stuff and they haven't said anything, it's just this, um, it got taken down. Yeah. They hadn't data. Um, yeah, they're tightening the they're tightening up Spotify. So, are there many distribution? companies in like australia or like even just perth is there other many uh there's not like many no a lot of people there's yeah it's a very kind of niche market to be in it's become more prevalent and more 
open for people to get involved in in the past few years. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult to stay competitive and to find the cutting edge, I guess. It's it's something you got to commit to. And for the long game, it's not a short. It's not, you don't gain anything from the short term. Like, mm. you know, we've started creating revenue now and it's, it's been a year and a half. And yeah. even then, a lot of that, we, you know, funnel back into the company because it's like, it's a great year to invest. Um, yeah, especially with smaller, like local artisans. Yeah. It's like pretty typical. Yeah. I mean, they're not earning much. We're not earning much. Um, yeah, it's, yes, yeah, competitive. There's a few really cool independent distributors. Um, obviously, our direct competitors, but they're still, they're so good. Um, yeah. Across Australia, like obviously, Jarrah Stream. Um, I do dope things. You've got guys like Believe. Um, they're probably the top. So there's, there's there's others, there's heaps of others. Um, some specialise in certain genres, um, some not so. And then, yeah. Yeah, a lot of labels actually have like the label servicing and then I guess if you're not quite ready for them to invest in you, they'll offer you that distribution. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, because DistroKid is just the one I'm aware of because I think it's the most popular is that like us based i think it's the biggest global distributor um dish dish yeah district kid and cd baby are generally um and ditto when i like released music i was releasing through ditto um we'll go through friends at ditto uh, yeah they're like the robot base i don't know where they're the original offices but they've got ananas yes. yeah like shout out kimiras there's on boys from here he's in sydney oh is it enough for ditto so they offer they offer What's like, artists and repertoire to someone oh. that likes so it, like a scout. Yeah. And then, um, so he is on ground, just like a scouting artist. And then um, they offer, I don't know if you call them like distribution deals, but they offer deals where they, uh, to be honest, I can't tell you exactly what they offer, but they offer deals where you kind of lock in for like a certain amount of tracks um, with them. Yeah. Which is something. Okay. So, because um, there's artist management and then there's artist distribution. How do they do they work together? Like how, how do they? No, no. Artist management is someone that oversees the project. The project being the artist. So, um, I mean, so, yeah, where's where's in black, for example? Um, I guess I oversee his project. He's he's the driving force of it, but I make sure it all runs um smoothly. So I handle, with him, I handle everything. I handle distribution as well, but that's just the way it is. But artist management is usually just, yeah, someone that ties everything together. So, um, so say Quincy has, she's a booking agent as well, and she's signed to a record, record, she's got a record label. So I'm the middleman for everything. Um, we have a release coming up. You know, I make sure that, I send everything, make sure the label's got everything. We have a show's coming up, I'm the middleman that kind of lays everything together. Um, and you're meant to find opportunities, so things just like like sponsorship or like brand deals, um, yeah, they're just doing what you can to get them to the next level. Everyone manages differently, and I found that out. Every artist needs to be managed differently. So what I do for one person is completely different to someone else. Yeah. How I go about managing walls very different. Um, distribution, yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's generally something that's really been a label thing. Um, or, yeah, it's something that's that's a bit more newer to, I guess, like Australia, that more people are accessible to creating distribution companies. But do you think pre Spotify there wasn't really distributors that need for to target? I guess it was more it's like non digital distribution. Like, yeah, so I mean, distribution started out as, as lyric sheet, as lyric sheets, um, as like music sheets. You don't really need to write music. Well, yeah. um, that's what it started started out. So that's what it did, uh, distribution was, and then it's it's changed over time. You can still do like physical distribution. Um, so like, yeah. So it was CDs getting CDs, CDs in stores, cassettes, yeah, and then like obviously onto vinyls. But now it's become so digital. It's like distribution deals started out as like yeah, product, physical product. Um, but now obviously we're in the digital age. It's it's mainly digital. Plus, if an artist wants vinyls, it's like. It's like a, it's a cool thing, and like that, that is obviously a big resurgence in that lately. Um, but yeah, it's it's changed over the years. I mean, I did, I did a 
No, dude, I did music business at TAFE and they kind of told us about the abolition distribution and you know, it was like starting out as the next sheet and then you jumped on all different things. But yeah, definitely changed in Okay, and um, you mentioned you've worked with, so I've worked with Sony Music and Warner Music, which are like two huge international music labels. How did that come about? Yeah, so. I guess in time frame. So your boy Mars um, still has a distribution deal with Warner. It's through, so ADA is their distribution company. Um, so he has a deal with ADA with the area movement. <clears throat> the area movement are a, uh, like Western Sydney, uh, it's like a Western Sydney creative group, but they also have their label. Um, they've also got another label called DV Music, which is directed Warner. And so Mars... Uh, put up a, a TikTok video of cheating and then Russ, the uh, American artist, commented on it and kind of got some traction. And, yeah, they offered a distribution deal for your boy Mars, which is pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess he was the first and still the only WA Perth artist at the area I have specifically worked with. So in the area is like headed by Ziggy. Um, it's truly yeah, It's massive over in Sydney. Um yeah, so that happened. Wait, is he an artist? Zeke, he's a DJ, but he's like everything. Oh, okay. Is all of the above. Um, so yeah, yeah. They the area movement do a lot of community stuff. So a lot of working with like the youth and and uh, sure as he DJs or like the Sydney King NBL yeah. stuff. Like he's just like yeah, does all that stuff. Um, so that's how yeah Mars works with Warner. Um, it's a bit it's a bit tricky with distribution deals because like. You want to technically say he's he's not signed to Warner, he's signed to the area at ADA. Um, yeah. So he's in distribution too. He's still an independent artist, but he's they do have the slight backing of the major. Um, and Woodsy has obviously she's signed to Sony Music, so she's in a joint venture with Sony Music and Mobile, which is a label directed by Hal Latu Kefner, who is a big name in Australian hip hop. Um, he was once an artist, I forget the name um, of his things, Yellows, but. Yeah, um, he was doing, he's doing big things. They've got four artists under Fairmobile. I started managing Woodsy about six months ago. And Can you tell us about her music? Yeah, so the, I mean, the genre it fits under the last two releases have been like electronic oh, hip hop. Um, so the, the couple before that was more sitting in the grungier side. So, but like the, over, the overall genre she's since in is, is hip hop. Um, she was making some pretty drill hard rap in the beginnings of her career. So she, she started releasing music at 16, she's now 21, she's been signed pretty much to a major that entire time. And uh, so the music she's more coming out now is that, that very 7 shake, electronic-driven. Um, yeah, it's interesting working with... This I work directly with Sony um, and how. Uh, so, yeah, any kind of decision that gets made needs to also be run by them, just because they have control. <laughs> so, again, she's not like completely signed to Sony. It's like a deal where they oversee things and they have a leverage on things. Um, she, no, she's signed. She's oh, signed. Yeah, it's just she's got another label she's with. Oh, yeah, two labels. It's got a joint venture, yeah. It's it's so complicated. Yeah. It's really complicated. <laughs> but, yeah, so anything – so I guess to, like, make easy, any decision we make is, like, the email chains is all the same. Her entire same team. Yeah. Now and many. Now. Oh, okay. So she's got – so, yeah, I guess the difference between, like, a, a direct record label deal compared to, like, Mars's distro deal is this mainly the percentage is taken. Distribution deals are more in favour of the artist. Um, record, proper record deals, licensing deals are more in favour of the label. So the splits are, like, generically 80% to the label, 20 for a record deal, and then opposite for distro. And... Distro is kind of not locking, depending on the contract. Record, you can, record labels, you can almost never pay the masters unless you're willing to buy them back or like you can pay back. Yeah, so it's yeah, sort of complicated, like the contract and the so, stuff works. Do you, do you have your hand around like the whole thing? How it all works? Most of it, most of it is, I still like, I wouldn't sign anything, but I'm the lawyer, like no one ever should. Oh, well. That's just like, we've got, yeah, we've got like, legal arts lawyers. I, I can't. Um, it's, yeah. It's complicated because the contracts they send are like pages and pages and pages and pages and like it takes a lot of time to understand. Um, yeah, I mean, I do understand it. It helped that I didn't 
in a couple of years at TAFE. Um, but Things are always changing, and even when contracts come through for features and things like that, there's still... Because a lot of people do write their own contracts as well, so people will add in certain things. I'm like, I don't know, I've never seen this before. Um, so it's always best to write, but, you know, pass someone. Um, or just ask the person that sent it and did that once, and they're like... But, yeah, contracts are tricky, but if you work in your management and, and anything business, you need to understand it. It's like, when I first started working in management, I'm like... And it's not something, it's not fun. It's so complicated and it gets really tricky because if you sign something, that's, you've signed it, like, you know. Yeah. It's too bad, really. Like, um, it's like, it's like real, real it's shit. Real, it's real, it's on pen and paper, like, you know, and any other, any other features that guys do, it's all contracted with their contracts that I read. Yeah, I think, I think for any artist, it doesn't what field you're in as a career at first, as like, when you get to that, like, you know you're kind of doing stuff professionally when you're doing it through contracts. Like, that's kind of how you should be operating to protect yourself and understand what's going on. Yeah, it just, it's more of an understanding. It just keeps everything clear back and white. And, like, if you're not happy um, with it, then you can change it before the product's done. Like, like when Wes did this on with Complete, like, we laid out clearly, you know, because he's, he's got a distribution deal with Warner and ABA. So, oh, really? So, yeah, so it had to be laid out clearly or else... Yeah, just to project both parties, because if it's not contracted, then, you know, what we discussed didn't really happen. I'd say, love. And um, how would sort of water help with the, do, do they chip in, like, do they pay for music videos? Do they get, just get a percentage away? Not that track, that track. Because Complete released, it was a double main artist released, so they both get you know, you know, on their Spotify as artists. Um, but like, so with, I mean, I don't know what complete has, but I can speak on Mars. So generally they work as, they offer a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time for a certain amount of tracks. And you can... Okay. Yes or no. Um, the time frame is a bit not set in stone because it generally comes down to the time you get the music out. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean... Technically, he's, they said a year for a certain amount of tracks, but he hasn't put the tracks out. So, um, what would be an example of like a number of tracks that, that would ask before a year? Um, his was uh, six, I think. Oh, look, I could have it. I keep forgetting after the contract. But um, yeah, so it was like a year for six tracks. But if it was in there, you just have to get the tracks out. So you can't just put like an interview. But okay, bye. Ah, uh, okay. You need to fill that obligation. So it's like one every couple of months. Yeah. Or which I'm shouldn't be doing. And they, they get a set amount, they get paid a set amount, and then they release these tracks, and then but the label owns the tracks. Yeah, so they often, it's called an advance. So uh, so distribution deals, they it's still just an advance or a certain amount of money. And it's up to, if, if so Mars, we obviously has us as a team. So we figured out, um, well, that Russian Zionist simply figured out the amount that they want to spend on each track. We break it down into marketing, music videos, and you can spend that money how you want. Um, some artists take that money and go and buy, you know, a gold chain, whatever. That's when you hear about those horror stories, like the big major label artists that get multi-million dollar deals and that their advance is, well, more than that. They, and they go buy, like, a mansion or a car and they've got no money to spend at that time on their music. It's they've just... Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's when they, like, get in debt and they're like, well, I have no money to spend on my music. But, um... um yeah, I mean, even then the deals are come down to what the contracts say. So he still has to pay back that advance money to them through the streams. And um, that's typically what it is. And then after a certain amount of time, we can, depending on the contracts, oh, okay. he can then gain his tracks and, you know, put them on another distro if if that's what the terms are. But sometimes they're just stuck with them for like 10 years or... What is Australia? What is? Yeah. Aussie hip hop? Yeah, what's Australia? What, what, what is it? Damn, if you're talking about Aussie hip hop, you're talking about like Aussie hip hop, like, like, I don't know, like complete hilltop ones. What does it sound like? What is Australian? Like, I'm talking about Australia, the country, mm-hmm. as hip hop. Like, what is Australian hip hop? Like, what does it sound like? Damn. Ah, uh, sonically. If you're actually talking about Aussie hip hop, then you're those guys that have just said it's that. I don't so know. This is it the accent. It's the accent. It's the it's the 
Yeah, I guess I guess that's what. So it is. <laughs> there's Aussie like Aussie hip hop is the accent. Uh, so there's a difference between Aussie hip hop and like Australian. Yeah, I guess like if you class yourself on Aussie is Aussie hip hop, it's it's like an, it's it's a genre in itself of hip hop. It's okay, so it's those genre, genre. Yeah. It's an accent. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know who the hell is. It's like yeah, it's 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 bars. I was always wondering like, is it is it a sound or is it they're from Australia? It's the sound. If you like Aussie rap, Aussie rap is like Australian hip hop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's some. So Australian hip hop as a whole is, I get anyone that's Australian, anyone that's makes hip hop can be an Australian hip hop artist. But if you're making Aussie rap, it's that Aussie okala of yeah. the rap. You know, it's the battle rap style. It's like the battle rap esque. Um, yeah, stuff like the guys that I mentioned. But Australian hip hop. So, so it like doesn't matter the flow. It's the act like if the accents there, that's Aussie hip hop. Oh no, it's definite. There's definite flow. Because, like, what if it was, like, a drill um, instrumental but an Australian accent? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but you can just hear and pause in your mouth. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I guess, um, you're saying... The accent, yeah, because it's, like, something we have always sort of wondered. Because I know that, like... Um, like cursor, yeah. So no, cursor. It's like cursor. Yeah. Cursor is the epitome of Aussie rap. This Aussie okay. rap sound. This like, even just like. So that Aussie rap is the genre. That's like a subgenre. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's do's like cursor. Like, I guess it's also also in their artistry or them just being like these kind of. Okay, it's that kind of style. It's a style. It's a style of people. Okay. Um, Okay, so there's, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, there's, you can be an Australian artist, but you're not necessarily making awesome. any hip hop. Yeah. Okay. But so there's like, there's Australian hip hop artists and they make grime. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever subgenre. That makes sense. What, um, it's technical. It's technicality. Filming by your. Oh, we're back. Um, what happened to is, is Aussie rap like still around? Like, is it still getting as much radio play as before? Because I remember in like, you know, say two thousand to two thousand ten, it was like huge, basically. Um, but now it's you know Australian hip hop artists make so many different sounds and genres. Now. I mean, if you're talking about Aussie rap, it's it's never been it's never been commercialized. So, like, there was a big thing about Cursor never getting that recognition in Australian media. Media is what he should have done. Like, he just came off the back of... Oh, he did, I think he's, he just came off... did 13 albums in 13 years? Or 12 albums in wow. 12 years. And he didn't win, like, anything. Um, like, yeah, even the Arias. Like, he ever won an Aria. And there was a big thing about... He got nominated this year. Um, but he didn't go. Um, because he's like, I've never been respected in my career. Um... And he's selling out massive shows. Like, he just three-hour sets. Um, he sold out, I think he... I can't remember exactly what show, uh, what venues he did, but across Australia, did these massive sellout shows. Pretty much every city was sold out. Um, so, yeah, that was... Yeah. yeah, Aussie, and it, like... Is it getting recognition? So, why is that? Like, um... I don't know, man. And, like, Complete doesn't get much play, yet he will go around and sell out venues all across Australia just did a UK run with insane turnouts. Um, I think it's just the time that they started blowing up because these guys, like, complete... It's, it was very interesting watching his rollout. So he posts a music video on Facebook first and it gets a lot of traction that way. Whereas, oh, you know, no new age kind of artist would be doing that even think about posting on Facebook, but that's where it's hardcore fa- fan bases and Facebook and YouTube. And um, I think it's just got to do with the sound and where technology is because a lot of Australian hip-hop now has auto-tuned and, uh, yeah, is is more in this lane of, I guess, a more commercial sound. Because if, th- if you think about it, Aussie rap, it's so capped to Australia. Um, yeah, it's kind of rare for... An Australian with Aussie rap to go global. I think that's just 
there's just a ceiling on them. There's just a stigma around Australia, which is why a lot of people rap in like American accents. Okay. It's just what everyone's consumed for such a long time. So international audiences aren't used to the Aussie accent. Yeah. 100%. And so they don't get played because I mean, globally, yeah. And even just recognition. But in Australia, the plays, I don't know why people don't play Aussie rap. I think it's gotten a bit better. Um, it'll be interesting to see statistics on it. Why is it the stigma around the accent? Like The radio play probably comes more from what, what's being said. And if things are pretty, like, too hectic to be saying, not that, like, Aussie, or Aussie rap is like that, but, like, rap as a, as, as a whole, um, if you're talking about, like, even, like, the kind of when drill like a, a few years back was like the big thing people are talking about some like pretty hectic things it was like it's not going to get played at, at three feet i mean for one man. for one that that's hip-hop that's like supposed to be what like yes you're rapping from yes raw it's from like your experience and growing up um is it kind of is it basically like the australian accent in hip-hop has a stigma because people associate it with like Asians and that sort of crowd. Probably, I just yeah. It's hard for me to say because I've worked in this in broadcasting and stuff, and I've always played it. So I don't know why people don't play it. I don't because there's some tasteful music as well that could be played. Because um, that's <clears throat> so. I don't know if it's just the accent. It doesn't on a make global sense, scale. You know? On a global scale, it's the accent, not so much in the show now. Um, because, like, in your opinion, why do you think the Irish would make a decision to kind of not, uh, you know, support artists like Cursor, for example? I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hip-hop has always been an issue with getting the support. Like, even here, when I was first throwing shows, um, it was so hard to let venue to, like, convince them a venue to have a hip-hop show. It was just, yeah, it used to be so hard. It's it's fun now. When was that? Like, four or five years, four, maybe four years. Really? Yeah, it was like they just wouldn't. They were like, "There's gonna be fights." Um, uh, oh, okay. And it's like I've done a lot of groundwork with these venues. They're being like, "Come on, like, I, you know, if there's a fight over the day, it's probably not us." Like, and I've had venues. Say that there were fights in my shows. I mean, there wasn't that just talking smack and delay, but the next person said, you want to hear And, like, it is, I mean, like, there is more chance for there to be fights, I guess, um, because of just what hip-hop is about. And it is, um, um, maybe, I don't know, yeah, going back to, like, not getting the radio play and things like that, I, I mean, the genre is, like, one of the biggest genres, but it just doesn't seem to get as much time as it should maybe compared to like electronic music, I guess. Um, yeah, maybe this, this probably the target audience is just not here in Australia for it. Yeah. I think it's cause hip hop came from like, it started within the lower class in America, basically mm-hmm. like people living in the wood. And, and although we have like some of them, like Australia's like a, it's a first world country, like, like uh, I'm sure there are artists that grew up in like, you know, shit conditions and all that. Um, but I think because the general audience is like, you know, mm-hmm. living in a first world country, middle class, like, yeah, we can't relate to it. That yeah, that's fair. And I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, I work in hip hop and I can't relate to a lot. Of the stuff that's in, but you're still enjoying. Yeah, I'm still enjoying and consuming. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's fair. And I mean, hip hop's changed so much. You know, it's not <laughs> not all hip hop is like rapping about drugs and crime or shit. I think it's just breaking that stigma. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's breaking the stigma. Because um, personally, I actually I want to see the accent back in Australia. Yeah, but like, I want to see it go international because it's still it can be like the cool thing, you know, because it's not it has has never been like big, and um, even if you look at grime, grime came from like London or England, um, and that way like international, where they have other artists doing that. You have like Afrobeats now. Afrobeats is kind of like taken off. 
Effort, yeah, yeah, yeah. Effort rates, effort is always huge. It's, yeah, it's, yeah huge. And I'm a pianist, so I thought that. Like, I will help try to implement effort rates, um, yeah, Chris Brad released a lot of effort rates in music. Mm-hmm. Now, effort rates, unless effort rates instrumentals. Um, be cool to say, <laughs> like, I think, it, it, I think the only genre like in hip hop that's come from Australia is that Aussie rap, which is sort of the accent. Mm. Um, it would be cool to see international artist using that style. Like mm. imagine if you saw nephew in the U S or the UK or even like Asia, like rapping, like Aussie, yeah, Aussie, Aussie style. I reckon that would be cool. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think it would be cool. I think it's also got to do with like the, the language and like the, the phrases we use and things like that, I think, oh, I can't remember if it was Central C I was watching, but they're like, you just don't understand that. But I mean, it doesn't take long to Google or something. Yeah. But then I think it also comes down to like, where's the focus? Like Australia's focus is on the US. Like we're sort of copying mm-hmm. US and then London, it's got that um, sort of potency because it's like by the creative capitals in the world. You have like, like it's it's big in terms of brands. Yeah. I think Australia, in terms of our hub culture, is more close to. I think in terms of music, a lot of people draw comparisons. Okay, no, I'm maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it would take for an Aussie rap to break through and collaborate. I guess. I swear, I saw something on TikTok like it was a. Asian rapper, and it sounded like Aussie hip hop. I'll show you. It's coming, and there's there's collaboration. Yeah, it's. I think that would be like unique in terms of the global scale because it hasn't been done before. It is a genre, and um, I think a lot of artists don't want to use the accent because of that stigma. But I think personally, I think it's cool now. Like if I see an artist, uh, even if they're maybe the been using the American accent for a while and they make it so Australian like sound like oh that's cool I don't know yeah yes hopefully well, could be interesting it's definitely I mean yeah. I don't actually listen to entirely <laughs> listen I don't actually listen to any of was hip hop to be honest but I think it yeah I think it would just be a bit cool thing to see maybe we'll catch on a lot of that yeah I agree um, you're not against the accent <laughs> not against the accent, uh, just yeah. Like, I mean, it's not something I heavily consumed that was Iraq rap, um, but that's just because I've grown up on the new wave, reaching scene. Um, still appreciate it. the racism and a good bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, collaboration. Collaboration is key in any parts of this industry to to break. Like one four, when they collaborate, they they sap. Like I mean, Andrew also is not really that. Only rap, rap, and they're still an Australian rap group. Now, Kimbo Tech, whatever, not too. But um. do you do you watch all music um, genre industries? Like, are you have do you have your, are you keeping the pulse on everything? Every sort yeah. of like a number. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you know about K-pop? Not much. <laughs> That's not. It's it's huge, it's huge. I know that. But um, uh, what's the guy I just did? I could li- jump on the Kid Laura song. Um, Jungkook. Uh, Jungkook. Jungkook. Jungkook, yeah. That's cool. I think lots more like that stuff crossovers need to happen um, to keep the industry more interested in fighting for because it becomes quite stable after a while. That's cool. Uh, and yeah, I came across the K-pop stuff. Someone I used to work with is super into it. And Who's the big group? What's the... Blackpink. Is it? Some, there's someone else. Um, who bought... Yeah, other than female group. No, male. We Kate doing doing the eyes of arms. Oh, there's um BTS. Yeah, BTS. She was obsessed yeah. with them. So I was just like, these people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're massive. Yeah, they got full stores like in my airports and stuff. It's crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty focused on Australian at the moment. To be honest, in terms of scenes, I am trying with the distribution. I'm trying to crack into like scaling out. With Australia first, and getting some of the big Australian artists on your ball, and then go global from there. Um, I mean, we distribute global artists, um, but I, yeah, 
I'm not focused on Australia at the event. Is that uh, is the thing where I think we've been thinking about music overall. Like we've been focused on the US. But as Australian uh, as Australians, our neighbours are Asia, right? I think we should be focused on the Asian music scene. Um K-pop comes from hip hop actually. Because they uh yeah, South Korea pretty much got ties with the US after the Korean War, so they're like very influenced by the US. Um that's where K pop came from and then yeah, if if you look at terms of numbers, mm-hmm. like uh music in yeah, South Korea, the artists in South Korea and Japan, like even like indie indie music out of South Korea is like so good. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, K pop is like obviously the biggest genre and then the money that makes is like insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely have looked into Asia and there's so many clubs and venues and like you can just go and of course have to go to there play so many shows um but yeah I think I think with K-pop again there's um it's just so different from what Australians are listening to like the whole culture it's um it's very like polished and you know even girl groups and guy groups is like it's now I think it used to be, used to be like cool in the '90s and shit, like with um, America, like they would have like boy bands. And, but it's like it's it's just very different from the culture um, here. But I'm seeing like that yeah, there's a rise in like K-pop music. Even it's now being played in like the you know shopping centers and stuff. Like we should never. Well, they've got full stores. Yeah, yeah. I think somewhere else. Yeah. So. I think collaborating with, if, if you're looking in terms of like just income, like, um, like I don't know what the root, like if you just want to make it as an artist, like make money, like maybe even it'd be something different to collaborate like with Asian artists, like, but I see there, there are a lot of collaborations now with like, you know, John Cook, he's kind of like entered the uh, Western music scene with that Jack Harlow. Um, Oh, City Club. Who did you say? Kindleroy. Yeah, the Kindleroy. Central. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's a very unique market. It's very interesting. And it's cool. Um, it's cool that. Collaboration yeah. yeah. overall is is key to growth, because um, you're hitting not only the other person's markets and if you're trying to tap into their fan base and getting new fans. So. Yeah, new fans. Collaboration is essential to growth. Even I know there's uh, some independent artists from Perth. I've actually been watching that. Uh, his work with um, J. Cal Maid, who I think he's produced one of our Hilfiger's tracks. Do you know? Um, I know Jack. Yeah, Jack. Jack, yeah. I, I want to get along at some point. Um, one of his. Who's that? Uh, this guy has been blowing up on TikTok and he's from Perth and he like, makes like sort of indie pop music. Is he his producer? No, he's an artist. Uh, is he young? Um, yeah, I think he's like, probably like 26 or something. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if he was But anyway, he went to... Oh, like, it's about Gojo. Yeah, Gojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gojo. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking viral. Yeah, I love Marty. Yeah, it's sick. He hasn't seen you at the moment. Yeah, because he went over to... Like Indonesia, Jakarta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how much traction he got over there? Massive. Like, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. This like, guy set himself up for life. Yeah. Like, stuff um, going to America. We need to go to Asia. Like, you'll get so much more support and fans over there, yeah. I swear. Like, they love um, just any international artists that go over there. Gojo is... Gojo is... hard work paying off. It's been grinding for a while. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people maybe saw he was like an overnight, you know, he dropped his song. A lot of work went into that. Um, you could just tell it was bubbling. His career was bubbling. He cried. Yeah, I can tell he he's got like the almost the hour and for like that pop song. So he's the ladies love him. Yeah, the ladies love him. He's got the look. He's got the. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. He's a very nice guy as well. Super humbly down to earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's, cra- it's so it's crazy. This guy. Was from WA's in Sydney, but 
had a viral hit, a global viral hit, and I, so many people still don't know who he is. Like, his song went viral. Who's this? Gojo. Quite Gojo, yeah. Like, globally viral, and so many people still don't like, know who he is. That blows my mind. Yeah, it's because um, there's this phenomenon of an artist has to blow up overseas before they can blow up in yeah. Australia. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just like, that's anything that, you know, it's the same with saying like, you're, you're like your friends and family got to be the last ones to support you. It's just, it is what it is. I think once you, once you lose the idea that people owe you things and like, just because they're your friends, they have to support you then. You know, that's just not an academic fight. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. that yeah, you have to blow up internationally before you can the industry support you. Um, that's actually such a good analogy, but that, like I was thinking why that is, but that's so true. Like that family analogy. Yeah, I mean, um, so then like TK Moser, um, that whole thing, like, and the media bring that up a lot about how Australia doesn't really support her. And she's like, doing really big things with America and globally and yet she's like doesn't get a huge amount of support here um, but yeah I don't know it's interesting what the what the actual idea behind it is I've said like read certain things about Australians being too laid back for their own good to like really take things seriously about just life but possibly that has something to do with just like eh just like not taking things too seriously but I don't know if that plays a part in this but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Something to do with the culture. Probably. I guess so. Um... So many things that hold an artist back, I guess, in Australia. Like, it's tough. Mm. Yeah, like, I think if they just, you know, we're living in London or mm. the US, mm. be easier, would you say? Or, like, you compared to Perth to Sydney? Uh... I don't, it's it's difficult. I think a lot of things that hold people back is just how they're viewed by other people. Um, and this is especially working with young artists, like I've worked with um, 16, 17-year-olds, but, you know, and they're very scared, I guess, of what their peers and are going to think of them because you're, they're growing up, you know, it's just their minds, you know, they're at a point where they care what people think and what they put out on the internet, they care. They care so much more. Mainly their friends and family are going to peak. And, you know, I've, I've had to deal with these guys getting, like, bullied at school and being made fun of. And it's kind of like, like, they don't want to post because of, if it's, like, they're getting this bullying from, like, their friends. God, they're probably terrified to put it into the global, like, and getting sent. Um, yeah. I think that's um, also due to the culture here. Like, I feel like it could be that tall poppy thing possibly which is not even like tall poppy it's just like you're putting something you're being different which like that's normal just as human yeah. beings you don't want to like do something that's different because you're trans what's cringe you, you want you don't want to be cringe yeah. um that's yeah but i think in australia i get the sense it's even harder because of that culture like in the u.s people everybody sort of seems it's like a social media culture everyone's like putting stuff out all the time here like the influencer thing took longer to come come on it's just like we're, we're sort of delayed yeah i guess yeah yeah probably delayed and even more perth compared to sydney is a lot more delayed just because the sheer size so tiny you know. um and just there's less people doing there's less people doing this like full-time and taking it seriously and i guess yeah, from my experiences, that's a lot. Honestly, a lot of the reasons well why I moved to Sydney. What there was less people doing this on the level and the scale that I'm trying to do it. Like, um, for the Stephen in Sydney, there's not they're not doing it. No, I mean in Perth, oh, there okay. was like less people. Um, like obviously people have lives to live and have like other jobs. You know, they need to sustain a living. But it's really hard when, when, you know, most of the industry and that labor stuff work Monday to Friday, nine to five. And if you're working that, then if you're trying to blow up in music like I'll be trying to link with people here and I'd be at work and I'm not doing like mm. it's just get you know a thin gotcha. um whereas more people in I guess the music hum cities that hum I guess in terms of in terms of people anyway um in Australia and more people are hustling and committing to it um, yes yeah um do you think you have to live outside of Australia to make it in music 
Oh, not necessarily. Oh, you just... Depends what you want to achieve. Like, I've got a few friends here that want to just be very internet-driven artists, so they can be anywhere. They just have to hack their marketing and hack the internet land, I guess. Um, but if... It's difficult with shows and, like, because the flights even, like, if we're just talking about Australia... Man, it took me, so the flight's, what, five hours, five hours, four and a half um, from Sydney to Perth and a little bit less over. And I think I paid, like, 700 bucks the other day. I'm yeah. here. Like, that's a pretty hefty amount to pay as, like, a basic fee if you're a touring artist. And that's difficult for a local and emerging artist to get shows because that flight, one, just the time, you know, that's, like, what, I don't know, like, nine hours in transit um, flying back and forth and then the costs and then if you bring gear and then a whole cruise it extends massively that's also why a lot of it gets me a lot because it's just financially and economically just so what is a typical show for like maybe you know emerging artists even like one of your artists what is a typical show to make for a venue like an average size venue it's a, it depends if you're talking if you're doing a headline um uh so venues uh, charge either a higher fee or they charge genuinely a, a per ticket you pay like two dollars twenty. It's generally or there be more. Um, plus, sometimes some venues don't include the door person, so you pay two twenty or whatever per ticket plus like twenty five an hour for the door person. Um, so you as a promoter, um, well yeah, pay the, those fees and then curate your lineup. Depending on, I guess, how much money you think you're going to bring in. A lot of artists will play for free, but if you're planning to be with shows, like they won't. Um, payments, I mean, people could charge what they want at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I just jumped on the sand to go to a Swansea's DJ and to a manager. And so they paid her like a set fee for, the, for like a performance in each city. And then we decided to book everything. So like transfers flights um a com was in that fee or sometimes promoting will offer like a development fee so like have a much money and you go pay them with that it all varies honestly um so do you like after flights and everything are you sort of making is it i guess it's like it's you're kind of since covid it's been really tough for like bands and touring bands local bands to make like after everything's paid for to like come and walk away with something that show that we played it was very minimal money yeah. for the amount that sand girl was making like um no shit to anybody involved but it was just like um yeah it was not a lot of money considering anything that had to get paid um mm. and that tour we had to organize dj decks for one of the shows um and initially, I was going to have to hire a sound tech engineer for both shows. Sure. And uh, microphones. Um, I managed to get a lot of stuff covered by the venue. And lucky she has, a, uh, she has an agent, um, a booking agent that handled a lot of this. But I'm... Yeah, so she walked away. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's like passion, pretty much, at, um, at this point. Until if, you get to the festival's level, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're throwing live shows, like... So, like, with Wes, we walk away with, you know, decent money each time once everyone's being paid because he's got, a, you know, a lot of people that are committed. He's got a diet so fat, but, you know, they come out to shows. Yeah, he was in Nepal recently, hey? mm. So, how, how did that go? <coughs> good. Yeah, I didn't go with him, but good that he played at Club Platinum in yeah. Kathmandu. Yeah. Uh, so, a group of them from Perth. And uh, so, like, Chapters, um, who's in... The Dives crew, like Sunday Sesh, right around that. He's initially from Perth. I think he's still based here. Um, yeah, there's actually this, uh, there's a lot of connections to like Southeast Asia and Perth. Like, there's a huge Bhutan, there's yeah. a Bhutanese scene here. Yeah, I yeah, think there's yeah. just probably a big Nepalese scene here. Yeah, yeah there's there's a group of them in Sydney, so they all live together. And like Pius, uh, Fabius, they all work together. Um, there's a huge Nepalese That's what I'm saying, scene. like the Asian scene, man. Yeah. Like, our neighbors, we gotta stop focusing on the US. Like, yeah. take it too much hype. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that went that went well. They like a good turnout. Uh, yeah, from the photos, it looked they went dope. They said, Yeah, and it's like he played to the crowd. Um, got some new following fans. I think he gained a new, like, 
diehard fan over there. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> it's kind of funny when like Wes and stuff gets gets diehard fans because I got access to their social media and their Facebook, so I see that. Damn. <laughs> like not Instagram, but like um, Facebook. It's it's it's, 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 it's funny. What is that? Oh, Hell, was that replying to them pretending to be? Where's that? Thanks, man. <laughs> That's cool. But um, yeah, shows. I think yeah, shows are super important to others now because like you walk away, you should be walking away with money. Um, at the biggest shows, you just have to cut a loss sometimes because that's just that's the name of the game. Because um, like if if I was an artist, this is just me with no experience in the music industry at all. But just like in terms of looking at how Markle works, like you could look at because a lot of artists in um, Asia or Southeast Asia, they sort of look at. I feel like they look at Australian artists, artists. How we look at US artists. So if an Australian artist was to collaborate with them, they're more like, inclined to do it. And there's a lot of like Southeast Asian artists, obviously with like huge followings, and they they, they get like show bookings. Mm. So I feel like if an artist here was to be like, hey, let's do something, let's work on a track, and then mm. do a track, and then do a shows over there, you probably make more money than yeah. paying for flights over the US. You know? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what. Yeah. Oh, you got something in the works. That's what kind of well, not like sandstone, but that's like the idea of it, man. Are you working on something like that? They would. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, even not just Asia, but let's say anyway. Like, yeah, there's this really cool electronic artist who just toured here, and even just like like obviously work with live performance. So just um, getting their vocals on a track and they're being able to tour like their tour run with them, like things like that. It's just a really cool way for live performance artists to break. In different, yeah. different territories. Then on top of that, Bali. Like yeah, if you look yeah, at the yeah, artists that, <laughs> if you look at the artists that have been played in Bali, yeah. like huge international acts all the time. Mm. We're two hours away from Bali. Yeah. We don't get nothing. <laughs> we don't yeah. get nothing. Uh, um, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so yeah, a few of our friends are based in Bali. Mm. They work for Afro, so they'll come back from the mines straight from Perth to Bali. They're, they're building some studios out there, so um, hopefully they can create some sort of hub for... That's, okay, that's a hub, man, because um, international managers and like huge people in the music scene, everybody goes to Bali, they <laughs> still stay in like, yeah. you know, the same hotels. To make connections and stuff, I mean, it's cool. And um, in Bali, you... I just know from going to some clubs over there, the entry level... Ain't. Like they don't like uh, lower that entry level just because it's Bali and mm. like the exchange rate is different. The you know it's like still like twenty five dollars to enter you know a club something like that. Mm. And uh, I'm sure that's the same with like book uh, festivals. I think this festivals in Thailand and so I'm sure it's the same. So it's not like you're gonna be losing money by mm. going there. Like because it's an international market. I was about. Uh, talked about this with brands as well, fashion brands like opening stores. I know um, there's some brands from Perth that are opening up stores over there. Yeah, Chunky, Chunky's. Yeah, Chunky. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because there's an international market there, they, mm. they're not paying lower prices, they're paying like, you know, decent rates. So yeah. there's so many, so many opportunities. Um, Step into. Yeah, yeah, we are right. Yeah. Um, who are like your top sort of young? artists from Perth top five um uh, so I mean these are hip-hop artists as overall not so much specific to like but like um yeah so this uh this young kid called Zafti is after coming up um yeah super dope guy he's just turned 17 I'm pretty sure I just saw his managers last week in sweet um yeah he's cool seems sick and then ZK9 is another kid that um, it's like I've been working, I, I put him on radio, um, yeah, he switches between, well, he releases drill, but he's really sick on the me- melodic stuff, he just doesn't release it, but I'm waiting for him to release that, um, Barsoom, uh, yeah, he's a dope rapper, um, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's still succeeds, these guys are very young, um, uh, JTZ, I'm not, yeah, he's, he's, he's dope, um, super lyricist, um, lyricism, and then, and there's this kid called Heizuko. He's like more new wave internet internet kind of hip hop. Um, 
Yeah. So who was that? Um, Zaftin, Zekanan, Barsongi, uh, JTZ, and Henzenku. That's an, an emerging triple wire that's coming up to keep an eye out. So? Yeah. 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 They come. Awesome. Um, I haven't seen my roster, but oh, I feel yeah. like I plug them so much that if you know me, you should know the guys that I represent. <laughs> but, um, yeah, obviously Harry's still young, Kate's still young. Um, oh, they're all still young. Man, Woodsy, where's the lead back? Everyone might as well, what are they going to sit at? Yeah. We watch all careers with great interest. Watching their careers by the music. Hey, that's stuff. Sick. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Great to learn about the music industry, but how it all works. It's interesting. It's very complicated web. Oh, pyramid schemes going well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of pyramid schemes, but yeah, it's complicated. But once you understand it all, and it takes a while to understand all the inner workings of the industry, um, but once you get your head around it, it's worth it. You just got to. Consistency. I guess lastly, um, what if you're a young artist this long, this is you go artist this long, what sort of your like main pieces of advice to you know make it in Australian scene or like maybe they got trains to the international scene? Yeah, just you know, to make it as an artist you just I mean, consistency is crucial. Whether that's releasing music, whether that's sonically, whether that's visually whether that's being online, just stay consistent. Um, you know, people want to see what you're up to. If you're posting, man, you're even just posting once a week, you're really much only consuming like a person's time for that one minute. And that's when you think about it. That's very so literally um that's not enough time of someone's time for that to be consumed um, if you want to make it. Just consistency, 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 proper marketing, understand your niche, understand not even your niche, even just your target audience, your fan base, and just going from there. But let's see, consistency. I can't stress that enough. Um, Every day I put in the work. Grind for those 10,000 hours in and you will see success. It's it's not an easy journey. It's it's, it's a tough slog, but it's worth it. And um, are your DMs open or is your email open for people that reach out? Yeah, sure. My email is reach at 6kmc.com or you can just hit me up on Instagram. It's Rachel Good. Um, always open for development sessions. I do sessions outside of my roster for anybody that, um, you know, I guess has music ready to do in that. I think I can help with. Obviously, distribution, if you want assistance, then to hit up Musable Distribution. And me and my team can assist. Consistency is key to success. Right, thanks so much.